Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a cool program for you all today. I have no doubt you will learn, grow, and be inspired by today's show. Before we get into our main event, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and subscribe. Your likes and follows help ensure you won't miss any of our new shows, and it makes the algorithm gods happy, which helps us. So thanks for that. Also, be sure to visit our website, notrealart.com. Sign up for our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse of everything we're doing here at Not Real Art for artists and our lovers. A lot of great stuff there. On the website, you'll see you'll get uh, free educational videos. You can sign up for our artist grant for the chance to receive two thousand dollars. Can buy affordable original contemporary art through our partnership with Sugar Press. And you can become a supporter through Patreon if you want. So be sure to check out our website today for all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we got a live one for you today. In the house, the one and only Tunes. Tunes One, international artist, style writer, custom painter, fine line pinstriper, original graffiti artist since 1982 right here in LA. Love this conversation with Tunes. Tunes is so smart. So generous with his time. We go long and deep with this one. Uh, love hearing from this guy. I'm so grateful that he was able to take time out of his busy schedule. We recorded late one night recently. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this and hear from the one and only Tunes. Tunes one, welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast. Yes, sir. In the house, in the flesh. We did it. We're here. <laughs> We're here. We're here. <laughs> Man, you know, the world sometimes conspires against us to make things difficult as this this logging in of the uh, tech, uh, you know, tried to uh, thwart us tonight. But we fought, we battled, and we triumphed. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I just feel like sometimes it's just all it is, just uh, it man-made stuff. So definitely it's going to have, there's going to be errors. And that should that should be expected. Well, I tell you what, I mean, to do what you do, you've got to have obviously a steady hand, a steady mind, a steady soul, you know, like, so I have no doubt that you were looking at this going, yeah, like this ain't no thing. (laughs) Well, actually, no, I don't, I don't feel that way. I feel actually it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to be on a platform to speak on what, what is something that is very close and dear to me has been a part a major part of my life so to any opportunity whether it's an established news uh, traditional or mainstream news media outlet or even a guy off the street just wants to interview me it's all important to me i think it's all important it all has has meaning because you never know where they will end up in you know right 
Right. And that's a beautiful attitude. And I mean, you know, the thing about, I mean, one of the reasons why we do this podcast is because I think of the 16 year old kid in the Midwest, for example, Mm -hmm. who, where I'm from, who's hungry for information, you know, maybe they can't afford to go to art school. Maybe Mm -hmm. they don't know an artist. Maybe they don't know what's up or maybe they're just hungry and maybe they're the only artist in their town or maybe, you know, who knows what the situation is. And a podcast is free, you know, Mm -hmm. and to provide access, you know, to accomplished, professional, talented geniuses like you for those kids, you know, kids in out in the Midwest, out, you know, somewhere. I mean, you know, they're hungry, you know, so I feel like this this is one way of feeding them. And so having you on board and having other artists that come and talk and share for me is is just an honor because, you know, I feel like, you know, what we do here is important if for no other reason that we're just trying to help inspire and inform and educate people who are hungry. Exactly. Exactly. And just, you know, carrying on our, our tradition, that's our, our traditional oral tradition that goes back before recorded history. So definitely. Yeah, man. Yeah. So who lifted you up over the years? I mean, when you, you know, coming up, I mean, obviously, you know, you were inspired and, and by people and, you know, whether it be an uncle or a friend or a teacher or something like, like who are those mentors and inspirational people in your life that helped lift you up along the way? Well, first I have to give it up definitely to my mother. She was the one who inspired me to be creative and to explore my creative uh, self. So when I was very, very young, lived I was born here in California. Also, my, my sister, my older sister, and my younger sister were born here in California. Or no, my older sister, I'm sorry. Older sister was born in Midwest in Missouri. And um, same with my older brother. And when my mother decided to venture out and come to Cali, she brought me because I was the youngest one. And she just wanted to come out here, set up shop. And then she sent for, you know, she went back and picked up uh, my older brother and sister. So a lot of time, you know, that we spent together, we spent in a very small apartment and, you know, we didn't have much. So my mother just created a lot of artwork. She was into drawing and, and things like that. And so she used to do these large scale drawings on the walls of our apartment. And mm-hmm. she used to read me bedtime stories. And like the uh, one of the few bedtime story books that she had was both my favorite and her favorite was Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. So the one picture where they are, all the monsters and everything are hanging from the trees, mm-hmm. she replicated that on on the wall in our bedroom and in full color and it was just amazing like we we'd be out all day she'd be out doing her thing you know going to school and studying she worked in the medical field Mm -hmm. and so then I was going to babysitter and and then preschool but we had come back to the apartment and then at night before I go to bed she'd be sitting there sketching and work on this piece so I'd just be sitting there watching her for hours do this this work so you know naturally later on she taught me and my older brother uh really we took on the art thing and then when we learned that she actually stopped so she passed it on to us and then she went deeper into the medical field mm-hmm. and so I just kind of you know we took the baton and ran with it and so yeah. Then later on, when I came into style writing was through, actually before hip hop really, as we know, it jumped off 
in, in the West Coast, we had like, I was into popping break and not popping and breaking, but pop locking and, and locking. Yeah. And so later on when breakdancing came, I was, you know, there was a guy from New York who was in one of our, our groups that we hung out with. And he actually would come to my house and we'd all practicing, be practicing together. He came to the pad one day to pick me up and I was working on some drawings. And he was like, oh, wow, I didn't know you was down with art, you know. And so yeah. basically he saw, he said, let me show you the stuff that we used to do back in New York. Mm. And so then, you know, this was before B Street and all of this, everything came out. It was like 70, no, I would say not 79. This was 80, like so 80. And so he showed me like trains and stuff like that and, wow. and you know, New York graffiti. Yeah. And so it just blew my mind. And I was like, what? You know, and then he was telling <laughs> me the whole story on it. And yeah. I was like hooked. I was hooked. And so, it. yeah, you know, from then on, like, I just like, dude, you got to show me how to do this, you know, because I saw gang graffiti naturally. I was in a gang right. neighborhood. So, you know, yeah. I knew that, but I didn't know, like, yeah, style this writing. This was art, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was, well, you know, to, to some extreme, some extent, some of the gang writing was sure. cool, too. Sure, no, no, exactly. You know, they, exactly. You know it had, yeah, yeah. they had their, their people that was doing, doing some stuff that was awesome, too. So, but anyways. So, but so... Right. So what was his name? Oh, man, I forgot Homeboy's name. Oh, man, I even forgot his dancing name. <laughs> but like, <laughs> well, it's know, funny because my I, old dancing name was Wizrock. So, <laughs> right and it's right funny, on. there's a kid that I kick, that I talked to, and he writes Wizrock. So okay. it was funny because I told him I used to write that a long time ago. So it was cool to see somebody else doing it. And actually, he taught me some cool letters with it. And we used to like... We used to do pieces on our converse. So right. like when we'd be dancing, you know, you'd have your style yeah. hooked up and then, you know, you had your shoes hooked up. So, but later on, I think more influences came as far as like growing up in Southern California. Definitely, I would have to say, you know, because I was in the hotbed of like the gang neighborhoods. Also, where exactly culture. were you? Where exactly were you? At that time when hip hop first came around, I was in uh, Eastside Torrance. Okay. Actually, yeah, yeah, 224th yeah. and Western. Mm -hmm. And we had a park down the street from our house called Normandale. And mm -hmm. this was like Booyah tribe lived around, around the way from us. Mm -hmm. So they used to always come up to the park and we, uh, everybody would go there and practice. So we had yeah. poppers, breakers, you know, people like that going up there and doing their thing. And so, yeah. And then we moved up to Sacramento like in 84. I moved up. So right when graffiti and everything was taken off in LA, we moved up to Northern Cal. And so mm -hmm. I hooked up with some guys up there. There were some guys at the high school that I went to and there was a group called Pro Vandals. So there, and they, it was a trip because they had a whole different way they did hip hop up there and they, they were tough with it too. So it was like the dancing and everything like that was a little bit different. You had guys that were dressing up like Prince, but they were heavy into pop popping and yeah. then i i was discovering like some of the origins because i thought popping started in, in la but it actually it started in northern cal so like san jose oh, fresno wow. fresno places like that fresno was actually the the spot where it started and okay. so just coming into contact with those original styles like strutting and hitting and stuff like that uh those forms it blew my mind and I was going back and forth to LA and telling my, my people down in South about the whole 
scene down in uh up in, in northern cal and so as time went by like around the i would have to say getting closer to the late 80s mm-hmm. hip-hop really started dying out like in sacramento so i just kept going i was like all the other guys that i was riding with there was only one dude from my high school and we kept it up and we were like the only guys in that whole city really that were painting Mm-hmm. So then we would like take little trips and go to, to San Francisco because San Francisco was cracking. Yeah. So we just go out there and I hooked up with a crew called TWS called Together With Style. And I hooked up with the main guy in their crew named Crayon. And he and he took me under, my, under his wing basically and started schooling me on stuff. And like that was my, my thing. Once I started getting hooked up with them, I basically wanted to learn from like the best. And at that time when I, um, there was the book subway art had came out mm-hmm. and spray can art had came out mm-hmm. and little did I know that the, one of the co-authors of, of spray can art actually lived in Sacramento, which is Jim Prigoff. And I later right. looked up with him and he was kind of instrumental in some way like a little influence in how when i went to europe and hooked up with a lot of guys because i actually was uh helping him identify photos and stuff like that he would get photos and slides from stuff that he would take pictures around the world and so he couldn't read some of the stuff so i was doing some of that he you know he paid me for doing that i got to see all these great photos and correspondence from things writers around the world and then later on, I ended up going and painting at actual those spots that I was actually seeing. So it was real cool. To, it was nice little serendipity to kind of come to that full circle. Totally, man. Totally. So do you remember your first tag, your first uh, throw up? Like, like what was yeah, this? Like, exactly what's the circumstance? I do. That was when I was living in Eastside Torrance. And uh, see, it was like the, the border, like 224th and Western is right near like you have the nice part of Torrance like we lived in actually downtown Torrance for a little bit and that's actually a nice part of Torrance but then the bad part of Torrance was where we lived in Eastside Torrance it's right there between Western and Normandy and so you're right there kind of by Carson right on the borders of Carson and then Harbor City so that area when I was the apartment building I lived in actually that was the first place I did my first tag and my first kind of throw up and weird looking piece, you know, he was teaching me some different stuff. And then also at his apartment building, he lived like on the next street over. And so I went over to his place and we were painting on the back of his apartment building too. He was just showing me the fundamentals. So, you know, these days, right, you hear people talking about, you know, 10,000 hours, you know, it's like it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert or, right, or whatever. Right. right? So right. like, so like, I mean, at what moment did you feel like, like, okay, I, I got this, you know, like, was, was it 10,000 hours? Like, at what point do you feel like you've, you've started getting that swagger? I would say that was probably about 1990. Mm-hmm. I would say about 1990. Yeah. But then you got, I got to a certain level, but then it was like when I really started getting like, really going off was probably like around 95. Okay. Like, so I would say about 95 was Mm -hmm. really when 
it took off. And at that time, I was living on Melrose, mm-hmm. and we had had the Top Inland show with ICU, uh, mm-hmm. Stash Molesky. He's the one who put that on. Oh, yeah. And Shout out Stash. Yeah. And it was actually pretty cool. That was a dope show. That was a real pivotal show mm-hmm. because it really taught me the basics for how I started doing um, shows, group shows later mm-hmm. on. You know, mm-hmm. just seeing the whole model of like us creating our own show. Like, because, you know, I had earlier, I had tried to go to some galleries to actually, um, I had approached them about doing shows with them. And they weren't trying to hear it. And I told him, I said, yeah, I already have, I have like 10 years plus experience. And so, yeah, I would like to, you know, show my art. And they were like, no, we're not interested. And so that's why when we did for self, I think the only one that, that really showed us love was uh, zero one gallery. Mm-hmm. They were over mm-hmm. on Melrose and, and La Brea. And that was a real kind of lowbrow, but also they were kind of like the forefront of like the lowbrow art scene that that ended up kind of evolving into what juxtapose like juxtapose magazine is showing yeah who was running do you remember who was running that zero one yeah that was john pachana so i just ran into him like not too long ago at chaz's at what chaz's celebratory show and he was there he was uh it was over at the what was that it was at the hotel downtown i forgot the name of that hotel yeah, Chaz did a, a show there for his 50 year. And so John, uh, John was there. He showed up there. And I hadn't seen right him on. in years. So And wait, that was just recently, right? Chaz's show? Yeah, like, well, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, exactly. I missed that. That, that, yeah. that was, must have been a very special night. Yeah, it was. It was. And I actually gave him a piece. I created a piece for him, like, for the 50, you know, because he's, he's actually one of my, my, my mentors. Yeah. So he and I came into contact with him in the early 90s at the uh, in Highland Park when I actually came into when I first met Man One. Mm-hmm. I met all the COI guys. And then we had what was called Earth Crew. So Helen mm-hmm. Samuels, she was also another mentor and contributor. She contributed quite a lot to development as far as self-motivation. Mm. Because I've seen that woman, I I assisted her and watched her. She was a a Supreme Court interpreter. And when we were organizing functions and things like that, she would come out of recess of court, like man the phones, we'd be there at a pay phone, like she'd be making all these calls and we'd be sitting there like waiting for her and she'd do like run circles around us. And then we would all like, you know, she stayed off of Topanga Canyon and we would all like, you know, whenever we were doing something, we like a group of us would stay with her and then she'd sleep like maybe four hours and go do it again. Like she was amazing. And so I got a lot of my drive and a lot of my, my go get them from, from her definitely. And I'm very grateful for the lessons that I learned from her, you know? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, th- those are just gifts, gifts from the universe, those kinds of people, right? Those, they, you know, th- they're gifts from the universe, you know? To, oh, no and, doubt. No doubt. And, you know, it's like, I think about kids that, that don't have, don't have those people in their life. And it's like, you know. Well, she was it, the first one that took us down, took me and a group of us out of the country, you know, for the first time. But Okay. So I was going to get there eventually, but since you brought it up, because mm-hmm. 
I was going to, that was one of the things like, how did you get to Germany? How did you get out of the car? Like, like take me down that path, take us down that journey. Well, to take you on that journey, let me tell you about the earth crew at first. Okay. Okay. Earth crew was Helen Samuels, was Margot Jim, was Maria de la Luz, was Chaz Bojarquez, was his ex-wife Blades, and Sharon Donnan. And basically, they were like, you know, these grown-ups that were trying to do something with young people and trying to organize and, and work with young people, especially young people coming from troubled backgrounds. Sure. So... They had this spot. They had a place called. They call. Um, it was called Art in the Park. It was in Highland Park. It was a uh, rec center there in Highland Park, right off the freeway. And we used to meet there, and you know, talk about different things and organize different functions and stuff. So, as we did a bunch of different cool exchanges, we were the first ones working uh, with the gangs in Pico Union. We did, uh, there's a mural that we did there right on Pico and Union that's still up. It's a parking lot. It's one of the only, I'd say, two Earth Crew murals in L.A. that are still up. The other one's on 3rd Street, uh, 3rd near Traction. But anyways, so we did that mural together. Then there was a group from Mexico City called uh, CPJ. They were called Consejo Popular Juvenil, something like that so basically these were all the old ex-gang members from different districts or boroughs that basically came together stopped the violence against each each other and started creating these youth centers all over the city and uh, primarily like around mexico city all the little uh small townships and so they came to la they found out what we were doing they came to la and then they said hey you guys should come down to mexico city And so Helen organized it and put together, you know, got donations and whatnot from different people. And we, she took a group of us, a large group of us down there. And so we went first in 91. We stayed there for goodness, I would say almost a month, probably about a month. And then we went back. It was incredible. So when we went down there, there was no graffiti. None. And so we went there and we did murals all over that city. Virgin territory. Yeah. So we introduced graffiti to Mexico City. Amazing. And so the next year we had went, there was one part of the tour. We went to the pyramids. We went to the Pyramid of the Sun. So Teotihuacan. And we were at the top of the Sun Pyramid. And it was amazing because there was the natives that were there to do rituals mm-hmm. and the federales were not letting them. They turned them away and we oh, were wow. sitting there. We're asking, wait, what's going on down there? And they said, well, they, it's illegal for them to actually do rituals. You know, their, their, their native rituals at these places. And we were like, what? That's crazy. How is that yeah. possible? That's, that doesn't make any sense. So anyways, we came back the next year, which was the anniversary of Columbus, actually, the conquest. Yep. And yep. what they did was they went back, and this time they came with everyone and overran wow. the area. So wow. when we were there the, se- the following year, there was a huge celebration. So it was amazing to be at that, that spot, those two pivotal times. And so, the, you know, that's, that's one of the, 
the amazing memories that I have from, you know, the Earth Crew and, and what we did and the accomplishments that we did. And to see, and it was funny, when, when I was visiting back in California from Germany after, you know, when I was living in Germany, I went to visit my mother. She was living in Sacramento at the time. I stopped at a, a Mexican bakery and they had graffiti magazines from Mexico City. <laughs> and I was Look what like, you Whoa. started. <laughs> and so, yeah, I picked one up and I was looking at it. And I was like, what? And I was just tripping out because I had totally kind of forgot about what we had did. Sure. You know, and just, you know, I was on on the Europe thing. And so I was like, whoa, this is amazing. You know, just tripping out. And I mean, if you see what they're doing down there now, it's out of this world. So I'm, I'm going to. What make year it was that? What year was that when you went down and, and 91 and then the second one year was 92. So okay. it was 91 and 92. Right. Yeah. Right. So and wow. then come back from that. And then I go, I have an opportunity to go to, I meet these guys. I met this guy. Oh, I met a woman at first. I was over at, um, I was doing a painting over on Kawanga. We're mm -hmm. painting this whole building. Mm -hmm. And this woman, Swiss woman came up and asked if she could take pictures of me. She was a photographer. And I was like, mm, nah, I don't know about that. Because I, I normally did not let people take my picture. Yeah. I would let people take pictures right. of my art. But right, never right. me. Yeah. I was a, kept it a mystery. Yeah. You know who my identity was. So I just said, she uh, said, well, she's all, well, you know, tell you what, if, you know, I said, because my mother didn't have any pictures of me. So I was just thinking, okay, if you make some nice pictures of me this way, then I can give to my mom. Okay, no problem. We'll do it. And she's right, like, right. cool. That's beautiful. That's yeah. real cool. So she made some really cool, she made a really cool photo shoot with me. Then she introduced me to the guy, one of the guys that she worked with, and they actually had a, a media company that mm -hmm. was called White Noise, and they were a Swiss-based company, but in LA. Mm -hmm. So the guy Peter told me about this this company that they're doing a commercial for, a Swiss company, like a beverage company, mm -hmm. and uh, he asked me if I knew some other people that could come together to do this commercial at, at their location. I was like, yeah, sure. I got, I got some guys. I got my friend Lil Caesar and Wilbur from Air Force Crew. I got some guys that, some BMX guys. And, you know, yeah. we did the commercial. And then they said, hey, this was really cool. They really enjoyed it. The, the company was really happy. He says, yeah, if they really like it, they're thinking about bringing you guys to Switzerland for a promo tour for this, for this drink. And we were like, oh, he says, yeah, but... You never know, so it probably won't happen. So don't take my word for it. Just we, we'll see. So I forgot about it. I ended up forgetting about it. And I get a call from him one day. He's like, hey, you remember me? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, check this out. You know, well, they, they like it and they want to bring you guys out to Switzerland for five weeks. You know, all expenses paid. They pay paying you a great salary. And, and I was like, this is awesome. So that year, 93, I ended up going to Switzerland. And then doing this tour around Switzerland, it was amazing, you know, just getting paid great hotels and just having a great time doing rock doing star, rock star. Yeah. Yeah. Rock star. And Love so, it. yeah, I come back. And then when I come back, there's a group that's from Germany in L.A. And I find out about them there in South Central. And this is right after, of course, the riots happened. So Maxine Waters had a place over on Manchester and Vermont. 
and this one building that they had, and they wanted to do a mural on the side in exchange with these these group from Germany. So we were like, cool. Um, they invited me, and uh, Hex came, my homeboy Myth, he was there, and that was it. And then there was, was, was the writers from Germany. So we ended up kicking it with them and, like, touring all around L.A., just having fun, hanging out, showing them L.A. and everything, just having a ball. And we, the crazy thing about it was we were doing all this really cool stuff and they were documenting it, but no one from everybody that was supposed to be from California, from the States, all flaked out. So all the people that were supposed to come at the press, they didn't show up. They all like flaked oh, out. Oh, wow. So, wait, wait, what was that about? They just, they didn't take it seriously. They didn't believe it was going to yeah, happen. I think they so. Just, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Or this, yeah. You know, that just, I think it's just. The problem with with California, especially Southern California in particular about art, is we have this conundrum where we have some of the most amazing artists produce some of the most amazing artists, but you almost never know that because you don't see it on the streets. You don't see, like, there's some of the most talented, amazing artists from all different types of mediums here, sculptors. Yep. You know, painters, you know, just me- mixed media people. But yep. you would never know that because you don't see their works prominent. Like you don't go into buildings and see their, their paintings and sculptures and stuff like that. You don't see them on the streets, anything. And so it's crazy. It's sad that we have that. And so that's part of the attitude. So they were like asking like, whoa, what's going on with this? And so even after we did the the wall and it was a success – Maxine Waters and and someone from the city was supposed to do a presentation because we were all getting awards. Mm-hmm. And we go to this restaurant and everything, and actually none of them show up. So we get an assistant, some assistant that comes and just says, oh, we're so sorry. They didn't even send an assistant that would have been like, okay, well, she's not going to be here, but we're still going to make this presentation. And you know, official, officially. No, they just came to the dinner table when we were sitting there waiting for them and just said, hey, guys, well, you know, she's not coming. There's not going to be any ceremony. Here's a folder with all your awards in it. Pass them around. See ya. Wow. So, yeah, man. I mean, it's funny because I've talked to, like, I go to the LAR show a lot. And one particular year, just not... Last year, I'd say about, was it 2016, 2016, 2018, I was talking with, you know, I, after the show, I was really talking with a lot of the, the big curators and, and um, gallery people from LA. And I just asked them, we were at this one booth and I was just asking them, I said, Hey guys, you know, why is it that this is the only place and the only time when you can really see LA's finest? And they were like, you know, they looked at me and then, you know, it was rhetorical, of course, the question. But I said, do you think maybe that Hollywood has a has a something to do with that? And they all just smiled and looked at me. And we just said that that knowing, you know, nod to each other. And yeah. that's what I feel is a, is part of the issue here is is they're not going to promote and present 
artist in that light because they would upstand or outshine potentially the celebrity, you know, phenomenon. Because yeah. they're like I said, they have phenomenal artists here. You know, and the most well, of you know, them- and that and that and that sort of works on a, on many levels, right? Like I talk to people sometimes, you know, about LA, and you know, and and LA has such a bad rap outside of LA because Hollywood casts that long shadow. And I tell people all the time, man, no, LA is one of the most diverse, eclectic, culturally rich, interesting, beautiful places, cities in the country and the world, but you know, you got to come here, you got to work, you know, you got to work at it a little bit. I mean, if you don't know somebody or whatever to take you where you got to go or whatever, but you know, Hollywood just casts that long shadow that people just think that's all, all LA is, you know, but it's not. But even Hollywood, the shadow that it's costing is not even really that awesome anymore. Right, right, right. And so that's a sad thing. It's like, look, you know, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then live up to that expectation. Don't be so so lackluster and so i don't know it just seems cheap you know yeah, and yeah, so for sure that's the thing it's like it generates so much but then it's like where you don't see it you know and so like when i lived in berlin it was an amazing city in so many ways and that's why i spent so much time there how long were you there again you were there you were there a long time yeah about 20 years right about 20 years so the thing about it was it just had so much so much to offer at so many different levels it's it's a multicultural city there's so many different ethnic you know just backgrounds there yep. there's such a rich culture and such a rich hunger for culture and and expressive of that culture of those different cultures they put a lot of money behind it the government sponsors and see that's the problem here we don't have government you know, sanctioned and sponsored programs, or for that matter, art groups. So it's like, say, for instance, you don't have like, say, a group of artists that are really like, you know, everybody knows about them, they're doing big things, and they're creating like an events and stuff like that. It's just maybe one artist or a group here, and you really don't hear about it. Like you hear, you see some shows like maybe at the at Mocha or LACMA or something like that. But you don't really see it around the city. Like when I was in Berlin, when there was something going on, you knew about it because they billboard plastered it all over the city. So you could not not know. And so and they did it in such a creative way. So even the posters, people were ended up collecting them, you know, the big billboards off the streets. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, when you don't have a culture environment that is supportive of what you do, it creates a lot of problems and it creates a lot of division. So you have some artists here, like in our world, you have guys like Redna or he's he's like him or maybe Mac or Coffee or something like that. But more, I would say more, more so than ever, it would be Retina because he's the only one. And I'm sure that that creates a lot of jealousy, creates a lot of envy when it's like, that's not what he got into this for. And he sure he would like to see other people on that are his peers on that level, because then it's not like he, he feels like alone. And that's why some, I think sometimes is the way he, he does things. It's that way because he's a target. 
in a sense. It's it works this way positively and also negatively. So I think the thing is, is we have to, we have to hold those people accountable a little bit more and bring the level of, of like events, the type of rewards that for artists, it needs to be up on a higher level. We're the supposed to be the richest state in the one of the richest states and places in the world with more millionaires or multimillionaires. Shouldn't that be evident? Shouldn't the arts be high up there? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's like it's like I'm a public school guy from, you know, the Midwest and it's like you know, we had the time anyway, the tax base was pretty good. So, you know, we had a good arts program, you know, and what mm -hmm. I mean by that is like, yeah, sure. We had good academics or whatever and good sports, mm -hmm. but we had the visual arts, but we had music, we had theater, you know, and I mean, like that is so important to, to raise a citizenry that is empathetic and emotionally intelligent and the arts are so crucial. And yet we've just defunded and cut and, you know, now arts is like, it's like non-existent. Well, yeah, I mean, from a from a municipal standpoint, but why not the private sector? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, it's like, we don't need them. We don't need the government to sponsor us. We That's have right. enough. We have enough, especially now with the dot-com situation going on. I mean, there's more money than ever here. Yeah. So it's just like, I think it's just something that it's not in their ear right. enough. Right. So if it was, and like, I mean, say for instance, when I, I lived in Dubai for a year, lived in UAE for a year, and one contest that they had, they had a contest doing 3D art. They were doing 3D art murals. The first prize was $350,000. No. <laughs> wow. The second prize was 200 something thousand. The third prize was a hundred and something thousand. Dude, that's just beautiful. And it was like an open invitation. It wasn't, it was a selective invitation, but the cool thing, it was, it, it, if we would have knew about it, we could have totally got into that and been a part of that. Yeah. And probably, I know I would have won something. I would have won one of those prizes for sure. I would have, uh. that's just motivation enough. But, you know, it's like in the same thing. It's like both of the Guinness World Records that I have are are in UAE, mm. and I'm like, how is why don't we have that here? You know, all the monumental things that have been done with what we do, what's been created here, are abroad. Yeah, that's crazy. We have the biggest population, and like, why is it that? They, we're not utilizing the numbers. And so that to me is, just, I mean, I think that's something that most artists, that's a hard thing for them to, to deal with because, and why they love, you know, Europe so much because there's so much, they feel so welcomed. Yeah. You know, and, and well, I got a couple, I got around. a couple of buddies, you know, back home from Chicago who are, you know, they're jazz musicians, you know, mm -hmm. pianist, you mm -hmm. know, saxophone player, you know, mm -hmm. you know, badass, wonderful, beautiful musicians, jazz cats. And mm -hmm. here in the U.S., I mean, they struggle. They work yeah. their ass off to make ends meet. They go to Europe, they're rock stars. Exactly. Because they appreciate the art. And it's just like, you know, the types of conversations that you have over there in the institutions. I mean, dude, it's like I'm sitting here and it's like, 
you know, people ask me why I'm not doing this and why I'm not doing that. I'm telling them, like, because it's not appreciated and I'm not going to waste my time. When people come with something real that, that makes sense to, and may this sound, this may sound arrogant, but no, it's the knowledge of self. It's just yes. that it yes. that caters to my level respectfully. Then, hey, I'm not a person who's like, like uppity or anything like that. No, it's just you have to give respect to get respect. Just yeah, like we right. give it to other institutions and things like that that have been in you know, like doing what they're doing for a long period of time. I'm almost at 40 years at this. Yeah. So when am I going to get my flowers? And the thing is, I said, I'm not waiting for them to give me my flower. I'm taking, I take my flowers daily. Yeah. And right. so the thing is, is just, you know, I just do what I do. And I go to the places where I'm appreciated. And then I, I do all the shiny stuff because they appreciate it and they, they, they're behind it. When I'm here, I'm mainly functioning commercially. Sad to say, but that's, that's what I do here. You know, I try to enjoy it as best as I can. And I'm more into the personal interactions that I have with the clients that I work for, mm -hmm. but fine art stuff. It's like most of the stuff I, I, I'm really not into it. Like because of the, the motivation behind it is mostly monetary. And it's not that I'm saying that I don't, want to be compensated for my works i demand to be compensated for my works but the thing is is when you're just looking at it only from the standpoint of a profit and something that you're potentially going to flip then there's not much of a conversation there it just is you know like you might as well buy a ferrari you know right like fuck it buy a ferrari man you don't need to buy my art you know what i mean it's like you know there's a long story behind it. It's a rich culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just being, you know, like I think as a man or just even as a woman or anybody, you have to, you either going to stand for yourself or you're going to fall for everything. Well, and well, you got to know what you're worth. And I mean, I'm not even talking about like dollars maybe, but I'm just saying like your own sense of self and integrity and, and, mm -hmm. and know that you have, you have a craft, you have a talent that has value and, mm -hmm. you know, you got to honor, you got to respect yourself. You're not going to get respect if you don't even respect yourself. And it just right. feels like, I hate to say it, but it just feels like so many artists just don't know like what their worth is, you know, like, or they're, you know, and it's, it, they get taken advantage of. Well, it's true, but a lot of artists, why they got into art, you know, I mean, like when I got into art, I had light, you know what I mean? I had light. So this, although the culture, and I call it superculture now. We started a subculture, now it turned into a culture, and now we're a superculture. Helped me to develop more of my light. But I came into this with a certain degree of knowledge of self. So this just enhanced it and, and cultivated it and uh, is still doing that. And so... I think a lot of artists, when they came into it, the later generations, they came into it with not that much of a sense of self. They were looking for something. And self-expression is, is definitely great for, for development of self. But if you don't do the work on self, then you will never get there. You'll always be looking outside, looking from outside in. Yeah. And that's what I feel like a lot of artists or people that are doing the creativity and you know creating things are 
feeling that way because of the way they've been taught, the way they've been up, uh, brought up. And so some of them, it's, it, it was beyond their control to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if you're only exposed to certain information, then you're only going to reflect that. But if you have different, some more information on board, then you maybe question some of the things or, or go into different directions to to search, seek, and find and apply. I think the thing is, is uh, when I say these things about, I don't just adjudicate to the art scene as, as far as it goes to just throw stones at it and hide my hand. I also look at myself and you know, that's why I started creating shows was to contribute, not just to just take from the scene. I had felt I had to get back and giving other opportunities to other artists and to expose them to that, that whole platform and doing for self and creating a level of pride and self, you know, reliance. So that's why we started creating these group shows. And so just creating that whole dynamic was so empowering and so liberating and just seeing how like the artists came together, were vibing off of each other, pushing each other and learning from one another was probably one of the best synergies. And that is what an art movement, you know, should consist of. And like, it was the same thing when I went to Germany, we were doing the same thing. It was me and my partner and we started we started a, a, a group, an agency, and we just started bringing all our homies in there and just started creating these, these events. And then I even reached back and brought people from the States over for a couple of events, you know, monumental events that we did with the one of the foremost art academies in the world, you know? And so it was kind of bitter, you know, it was great having these accomplishments and everything, but it was sort of bittersweet because... A lot of time I was doing it by myself or was doing it not with the people or in the place of, of my home, my origin. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had to leave your own country. Exactly. To, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned that German crew that came to LA mm-hmm. and I, I guess they brought you to Ber- to Berlin? No. Like Okay. So, so how did, what, how did what? you end up in Berlin? Okay. So going back to the story about like Switzerland and I mean, after we came back, I hooked up with those guys, we did the whole thing and then they left and they said, Hey, you should come to Germany. And I, we were like, yeah, yeah, cool. But then we didn't go. So then the next year came a different group came, but I didn't end up connecting with them. And then a year after that, one of the original guys from the original crew came with another writer to visit me in LA just on their own dime. And they came and they stayed at my apartment, but I was never really there. You know, like I was working at two, at a regular job. And plus I freelance, I work for the record companies uh, mm. in, at, at night. And so they were like, Hey man, it just seems like you just live to work. And I never really thought about it like that. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, man. I was like, damn, you're right. And they said, man, you should come to Germany. It's different. And it's a different life. And so I said, yeah, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I decided that day I was sold all my stuff. I'm going to sell my stuff and I'm going to bounce. But I didn't tell nobody. I didn't tell nobody till like two weeks before I was about to leave. And then I just had like a little party 
little dinner party at this spot and I invite some close homies there and I I dropped the announcement and everybody was shook. They was like, <laughs> what? You know, family included. They didn't know either, you yeah. know, because I didn't want nobody trying to talk me out of it. Right. And I made the decision. I had my ticket. And so, yeah, I bounced. I went over there and, you know, only knew this one cat. I moved in with, with him and another dude and his his wife, his guy ended up being Storm, his guy named Storm. His name's Niels Rubisky. He was like the best B-boy in the world at the time. And so, you know, we just started. I just took like a week off, didn't do nothing, just chilled. And after that week, I was like, okay, let's hit it. And we just started hitting the streets and, and turning up and getting busy. And we started our, our company and just started building. What you said a minute ago, I mean, that was an important thing. I mean, this idea that this idea of, of, of living to work versus working to live. And it's like, they saw that they call it, Cause it's such an American thing, right? It's like, right. It's like our culture is just built like that. You know, you you don't have worth if you're not a workaholic and, and, you know, it didn't used to be that way though. It didn't used well, to be that way. Yeah. Like in the sixties, the fifties, that just came even the seventies. It, it just came into like, like the later part of the eighties. And in the yeah. 90s, it was cracking. You know, yeah, it was like, right. you know, when inflation happened, that shit just, everybody had to get out the pool. Well, and I mean, it says a lot about you, just that you 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 saw that. You know what I mean? When they mm. said that, it, it, it hit you in the heart, it hit you in the gut, it hit you in the mind. You were like, I'm out. Like, I got to go. Yeah. And that's what it was, dude. Like, I was, I went there, I was making way more money than I ever did, worked way less hours. Yeah. And I was able to take, come here i was making taking vacations i would stay like I, I developed my whole thing about the way i take vacations when i take a vacation it's a min, month minimum yep. you know like when i go to a visit in a country it's a month minimum i don't go nowhere and stay for like two weeks or a week i don't do that right. i go there stay a month you know yep. Yep. and so just that attitude has really afforded me to see and do a lot of amazing things, man, To and just experience my life. It's incredible. And I try to share that with more people and get them to give themselves a chance to experience that. Because so many people, they just, you know, they think this is the end all be all. And I'm like, you know, there's something else. Like you got to get out and see the world. You know, there's amazing things. You can always come back here and this this place will be right here just like it was. I, you know, I was talking to a musician. Actually, he's an Australian dude, but has lived in L.A. for a while. And, and we were just talking about the importance of travel, you know, and he mm-hmm. was saying like, he was like, yeah, man. He's like, you know, if I was president, he goes, I'd give you tax deductions based on every stamp in your in your passport. Yeah. And I thought that was like brilliant, right? Because I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, if, if more Americans travel, and I remember like hearing a while back, and this was a long time ago, like mm-hmm. one out of three Americans have a passport and it's probably worse than that now, but like yeah. one out of three and you know, the, the travel builds empathy and builds, you know, yeah, emotional intelligence and, yep. you know, and if more Americans were traveling, man, you know, like it would just like resolve a lot of stuff, it seems. And like, wouldn't that be cool? you know, you could get a tax benefit for traveling, like, you know, yeah. incentivize these people. I mean, I'm already on my, what am I on my 10th or 11th passport? 
Yeah. Ha! Your tenth or eleventh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah that's so a, like, I, yeah, that's that's impressive, bro. Tenth or eleventh passport. Think yeah, about man. that, people. And it's just Do you like, even have you a know, passport, people? Tunes is on me? his tenth or eleventh. <laughs> you feel me? I got volumes. <laughs> but no, nah, it was you, just it's dope. And I've been to some crazy spots too, man. I've been to places where it was, you know, war torn. I mean, even living in Berlin, man, like where I was staying at, like one of the I had this big I had this rented this whole floor on this 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 factory. It was like an old men's clothing factory. It was crazy. Like in my bedroom, in the back, you know, it was like a second courtyard. There was like bullet holes all up in the wall and inside my bedroom in the roof. I'm like, I used to just sit in my bed and be, you know, I painted over them, but I'd be looking at that. I was like, damn, somebody probably came up short in here. You know what I mean? So, and it was just like walking those old ass streets, like cobblestone streets, man. Like you feel the history, you know what I mean? And it's a trip because it made me think about here a lot more, made me think about Cali and the trippy thing about the history here. Because we have a place that they keep constantly repaving, resurfacing, redoing everything. And it's like, if you know really the history here, it's it's ancient. It's ancient. And so it just made me think a lot more. And I started, every time I was coming back, I was going to all these different spots and I was like doing research. Like I was at the brand library looking at that looking at all the archive pictures from when LA was first built and the people that were positioning themselves, the families like the Huntington's, the brands, the Chandler's, all these different folks that, that, you know, was basically taking a little power positions and what they did with it. And so it's just, it's basically legacy, understanding legacy. And I think that's where I'm working with artists to help them understand that. So like, this is a, a really amazing artist. His name is Felix Gebhardt. He's from uh, Germany. He just sent me these two books right here that are of his works. And I'm Brilliant. working on, a, on, a, on something right now with him. It's as incredible. These two, I mean, you see how thick they are. Yeah, They're yeah, not yeah. cheap books. No. And so I'm working on my book that's actually probably almost, probably about a little bit thicker than this one right here. Mm -hmm. And so... The thing is, is, it's so important for, you know, artists to understand and create these different things for themselves to basically create their own history. And see, I don't mean to talk really bad about these guys, but I have to mention it. It's the Getty, the Getty Museum. When they did that project with the artists about the peace book. Right. And I opted not to participate in that and create brought it to my attention. He brought it to the project. He was like, hey, Toons, we're doing this. Do you want to get down with this? And I said, well, let me talk to the guy who's, I'd like to speak to the guy who's organizing it. Mm -hmm. And so he put me through to the guy. I talked with him and I asked him, I said, so yeah, just tell me, you know, I'd like to know more about this project, what's going mm -hmm. on. Just out of curiosity, you know? And I was like, wow, Getty, is interested in, in this? Okay, mm -hmm. oh, let's mm -hmm. see what they're talking about. So I talked with him and... Basically, he was like, well, you know, we basically want to have this book for us, for our archive. And I'm like, really? Okay, so you're asking these artists to, you're asking us as artists to contribute to this book. And 
this is going to be a historical thing. Are you compensating us for this book? How will we be compensated for this book? And he's like, oh, no, no, we're not. This is strictly pro bono. And I'm like, can't yeah. do that, bro. Yeah. Right. And he was like, oh, what, what do you mean? Why not? This is the Getty. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, I understand that, sir. You know, but there's an issue here because we as a collective do not have our own collection of this works for ourselves. So how are we going to give you this honor before we honor ourselves? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense as far as historical, you know, fact is going our historical record or legitimacy as, as, an, as a movement. And I think he well, was, you blew his mind, man. He didn't see that coming. No, he didn't expect that. And so I talked to creating them. I said, dude, don't do this. I'm like, it may sound great and everything, but it's not a good thing. This yeah. is not a good thing. And I said, they told me the stipulation about it, that you can only see it this way and you guys don't get a copy of it. I'm like, they don't even going to give you a copy for your own selves. I'm like, hell no, no, mm -mm, right. I'm not doing this. And so, you know, a few More artists, exploitation, you know, right. And some, some artists and the Getty has a reputation for that. Unfortunately, the Getty archive in particular, yeah. they've exploited a lot of artists to get their works. So I had to say no. And so these guys don't understand, you know, cause a few guys, they sprinkled a few little crumbs on some artists, you know, right. they got some things out of it, but not really as they should have. And I told him, I said, look guys, do you know how much money this is worth? Do you know that they will priceless? Exactly. And I'm saying that, you know, that the person who creates these works will have buildings named after them. They'll get a whole science wing or university yeah. because they're, they're, they're discovering, they're discovering right. a movement. It's the same shit over and over. And they don't understand that. And they were just like thinking I was hating on it. Talk, talk about like cultural that. appropriation. Right. And it's just, it's just basically it's, it's Stockholm syndrome in a way. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, you, 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 you fall in love with your captor. Right. And I'm just like, come on guys. You know, it's like, that's why you got into this. They could see if you were like a mainstream guy or whatever, but you were a rebel. Right. right. This goes against all my rebel and street tendencies. Yeah. It's, you know, so that's how I just, I said, no, nah, I got to keep it a hundred. I got to keep yeah. it a hundred. I got to stay yeah. away. So. It's interesting, right? Cause I mean, somebody once told me like, you know, they were talking about being an artist and I, they had gone to art school or whatever. And I, and I said, well, what did art school teach you? And this particular artist said, well, art school taught me how to see. And I think like, like artists, like that's whether you went to art school or not. I mean, one mm -hmm. of the things that I love about artists is that they see shit. Like they see, they see things that I can't see. They see, mm -hmm. you know, and it's interesting because there's so much that like this, I mean, you saw, you saw what was happening, you know, and mm -hmm. you saw it differently than other people were seeing it. But, you know, I, it, know it, we're blinded sometimes, you know? Yeah. The, the only reason why I saw it was because I studied history. And because I look at, I look at different scenarios, 
and I ask why and ask questions. So if you look at art movements, if you look at, say, Renaissance, and you go to the Louvre and you see masterworks, these masterworks that they have in the Louvre that are maybe 150 full portraits. It's a, it's a mass painting that's probably about, it's the biggest canvas I ever saw painted. Like, wow. And this is from the Renaissance. And yeah. it's an oil. And so it's masterful. Right. And I heard that the painter only did five of them over his whole lifetime. But to sit in a room and see that is amazing. And so when you experience different things, you learn your eye is opened and your and your your vision is uh, focused. So it's not about going, I mean, school, yeah, it exposes you to a lot of things because you're exposed to instructors and stuff like that that show you. But the same thing is to do it. It's just having conversations. A lot of the knowledge that I got was from having conversations with people like yourself and others. And I just listen because I respect the person that is taking the time to say something to me. Because I know you don't, you don't have to take the time to inform me about something. So if you're going to take the time to say something to me, I'm going to listen. And I can, I can, I have enough intelligence to be able to differentiate what I feel is valuable or not valuable. And even if, even when I hear something and it sounds great, maybe great information, but I still have the choice at the end of the day, whether to, to apply it. And that's what I think a lot of people are not understanding as far as what information is going is goes because at the, it, at the end of the day you can say yeah you're influenced by things but it's only the things that you actually take and use and utilize because you don't always do that with everything you might see something oh that was awesome oh my god but then you never apply it so what's that you know what i mean and so it's just i think sometimes people put too much on certain situations and just if you're just more observant to the things that are around you, you'd be surprised what you what you will learn that is not in a scholastic environment or setting. Yeah, I call it situational awareness. There you go. Or just Kung Fu. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, it's been an amazing journey. And I mean, it's, it's still unfolding and it's, it's, it's awesome. I think when I realized and understood and took on the, accepted and took on the, the role of being a teacher and student simultaneously, mm. that's when I think life became much more, I started going towards the graceful, being graceful. And so the things that I'm learning and I'm, and I'm, you know, also learning from my mistakes and even how I'm trying to learn from them is by engaging them. So when something goes wrong, it's just talking with people about it and, and giving them the platform to be able to talk about maybe if I've wronged them and say, but just giving them a respectable environment to be able to deal with the situation. I think that's a great way to learn and to grow as, as an artist or as just even as a person. And so like I've been doing collaborations 
even I'm always looking to do collaborate with different artists in different mediums because I learned so much about myself through those things and also through uh, learning about other people. And so it's some of the things I post and a lot of things I don't post. You know what I mean? There's a lot of art that people have not seen from me and they don't know that I did it because there wasn't a lot of fanfare behind. I just did it and I kept moving. And then one of the words, one of the words that when I think about you and got to know you, you know, so much even more tonight. I mean, this is, you know, let's be, let's be clear. Like this is the mm-hmm. most you and I have wrapped, you know, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. The word that comes to mind when I think about what I'm hearing and what in you and what I know about you and your work and just how you think, what have you, the one, one of the words that comes to mind is discipline. You seem to me to have incredible level of discipline. Talk about that for a minute. Well, I think when, um, thank you. I think the thing is, is, when I was growing up and I've seen different things and I learned from a lot of mistakes that I saw other people making. And so having, when I came across the statement of in order, if you, if you have expectations, you must have patience and by embracing that it helped me to form, formulate this discipline. So when you take the time to invest in yourself and to, you know, to learn something or to go towards something or to create something, it's not about the goal. It's about the journey for me. The goal is just, is just part of the glory, but the journey is, is, is everything. So that is like, it's an adventure. And so that for me is always critical and is key. So it's like going to another country. Like I tell people, when I go to the airport, I get excited. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's just all those different things that are going. You see people coming and going and, you know, it's an exciting place for me. And so I just get into a very, I get into a Zen mode when I'm, I'm ready to, to move and travel. And so it just going, when I went to, to Abu Dhabi, to do this 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 crazy wall that we did and yeah 2019 it was incredible because it was a crazy time here being back here and then that came up and i left and it was just it was a struggle when i was there because there was something i was i was just really experiencing something difficult and then i said something to someone about it and then it was like I said it from the soul. And then the next day, this woman came by the wall and just was almost in tears and stopped and just was saying, just giving so much praise and appreciation and that she was so grateful that I was there and I was because I was there by myself at the wall painting. And she was just moved by this painting. And it's like when you, those moments, those are the moments that make you feel like it's outer body. You know what I mean? I've had so many of those moments because it's like when you get to that level, like you said, this discipline and when you're giving so much of yourself, it's those human moments that, that come and, and this man, they, they're, they're amazing. I remember 
children coming up to me and just being in Mexico, like that time in Mexico City, we were painting in this one neighborhood. It was like one of the worst neighborhoods in, in Mexico City. Every time I mentioned it, people were like, oh, shit, you were there? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You know, so painting there and the, and then like I'm sitting there painting at the wall and I have my headphones on and listen to music. And I took a break and I turned around and the street was filled with kids just watching what we were painting. And we took a break. They were, we were like autographing shirts. So it was like, I was like, it was like a Michael Jackson moment, dude. It was crazy, but it was so amazing because these children were so into it. And so like, it wasn't just children only, but it was just, it was an amazing moment. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this is where all that, that investment pays off and just being invited to different places and teaching the, the group that I paint with in the UAE, they're amazing. You know, they're amazing. They're mostly women artists and they're, they're, it's just, we have so much fun and it's so easy. There's no egos. Nobody's tripping. They're just so thankful and we just have so much fun. And they're so matter of fact. And it, it's just, like I said, it's just this thing that you wish that you could have here. And no, it's I, just sad. I got to ask a question. So, I mean, is it hard being here now for you? It is. It is at times. It is. And so that's part of, you know, what I go through. And it's like when I meet people and I try to organize things, I try to organize things not only so they can experience something great, but so I can also experience something great. And I tried to, I started creating events because they, no one was creating the types of events and things that I wanted to go to. So I said, well, shit, I need to do it then. And that's what me and the people that I work with started doing. And so it's like when I met you and I found, and you were telling me about the stuff that you, and I was like, man, that's awesome. Like, Let's, I'm down to help. I like, I'm, let's do this. That's, that's for real. Cause I know a lot of people, they just say, say shit and they say like, yeah, just to be saying stuff. I'm like, nah, man, let's get this, let's get it cracking. Let's do this. You know, because these events, this is the thing that inspired me. Like the photo show back in 88 in LA, that was monumental, man. When frame put that together, frame and um, Carmelo Alvarez, was also another one of my godfathers. I mean, amazing. Carmelo Alvarez is, is one of the unsung heroes of, of L.A. and L.A. hip-hop. He was the guy who did the Radiotron, you know, and did these amazing shows. And so it's just, those are important. And it's important that we don't forget these guys and that we don't include them. Because I know when next show I'm coming up with, He's going to be included some way, whether it's like he's gets a he gets a an award for his is you know like a lifetime achievement award. I mean, all those things are important. They're so important, you know. And I said we can create them ourselves. We don't have to go somewhere or get a Grammy or something like. No, nah, we create a award way better than a Grammy. Come on. So that's all I'm saying, bro. It's just we have to start pushing more and not asking we have to take you have to take what you want here 
and that's kind of where you know I'm at now. So it's like I'm working on something right now, and I just got to get it. Well, tell me about your book. Well, my book is something that I've been putting together over the years now, and it's basically it's not just like a, a nice, pretty picture book. It's it's a study book. It's it's a I wanted to create a, a book. Because most of the graffiti books that we have are just pictures. People just, yeah. oh, wow, you get to see that. No, I wanted to create that effect, but I also wanted to have the effect of people, you know, because people are inspired. And I want them to look at it and say, well, I can use this book to look at it and get a, a thrill, but I can also use this and I can build. So I'm creating it almost like a, like a math book. So it'll basically not just tell my story, it'll tell like my process. So you see, you know, just how I came up with what I came up with based on what the origins of things are. Yeah. Wow, what a labor of love, brother. I mean, yeah, shit. man. I mean, it's it's <laughs> if you're gonna call yourself a master, and I I was not calling people will call me a master, this and that. So I just I I first I was kind of like. Mm, and then I just said, I embraced it. And I said, okay, well, in order to call yourself a real master or a PhD, you have to, you have to create a written work, a written body of work. Yeah. And we have with our piece books and sketchbooks, but I have to publish it, you know, and put it on the public record, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so to be lawful, to be officially lawful in, in, in the archive. So well, and, yeah, man. And books are no joke. I mean, especially books like this. I mean, so... So, I mean, I know you've got months, if not years into this thing already. So like, like, when do you think you'll actually be able to send it to the printing press? When it's done. <laughs> <laughs> that's simple, man. Good answer, that's brother. Simple. Good answer. That's when it. It's done. That's it. You know? That's it. And so I have to say that in the words of, of my big brother scheme from TMT crew, yeah. you know, yeah. He say he said that in Star Wars. He said, "When are you gonna stop learning when I'm done?" <laughs> hey, that, this is, but see, this all. is but see, this is that wisdom, right? That we're talking about the discipline, the situational awareness, right? I mean, that's that answer. Just how you answered that. I mean, that speaks to that kind of discipline that we're talking about. And you know, it's like I don't know, man. I mean, I just we learn so that from important. the streets. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. It's like, look, I come from a long line of OGs. And so in order for me to be respectful to those 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 sources and those those um, entities, I have to I want to reflect that. And so that they feel proud to say that, yeah, that that's my you know, that's my protege. You know what I mean? And so. We take that very serious in my, you know, my generation, especially we take that very serious. And so that's why I study and I dedicate myself to this. I said, I will go to the ends of the earth to learn from those who I want to learn from, to be the best person that I could be in this. And that's what I set out to do. And that's what I'm still doing. So I go to the ends of the earth to learn from those who I want to learn from. And it's, it's an amazing journey. It's hard sometimes. It's difficult. But it's also very, very rewarding. Always a student, always a teacher. I think you said that earlier. Exactly. I'm sticking to the script. Having created a position for myself 
and also one of my ex-crew members. We did that back in the 80s. We took it upon ourselves to go into the school system when the school system was eliminating art programs, and we started teaching what we knew. And we created a curriculum. And so that's the other thing. That's part of what I'm, my master thesis is, is part of what I'm, I'm creating is putting my curriculum in written form. So that's the legacy, you know. So, and that's incredible. I mean, yeah, you're writing the textbook. Yeah. So that, that has to happen, you know. I mean, that's going, that is happening. So, and we're going to keep creating that. Once I get mine created, then I'm going to assist others in creating yeah. theirs. Right. Because that will be the body, the volumes of, of works that will be for future generations. Oh, I love that idea that you're creating a set of volumes, right? Like, like you know, just like yeah. that, that's, yeah. that's beautiful, man. We have to because it's just, it's, this is a phenomenon. And it's just, it, it, it would be a tragedy. I mean, I look at what, and see, this is what I learned from Jim Prigoff and from also another guy in Germany. And he just said, do you know that you guys are creating history right now? And when he said that to me, it just, it hit me and again. And I was like, I cannot play with this. You know, this is serious, you know? And so, and Jim was said the same thing to me. He told me the importance of writing a book. Back in the day, because I had asked him, you know, a lot of writers were asking him like, oh, he made all this money from spray can art and this and that. And he's rich and all that off of this book, because every time you go to the bookstore, they have that book for about five minutes and then it's gone, yeah. whether it's stolen or bought. <laughs> right. So they can't keep it on the shelf. Yeah. So the thing is, he told me this. He said, look, you got to understand something for a white guy like me to create a book like this use it to your advantage he said use it that's how you get the the pay back from this he said whenever you want to go in and get a job and it's some white guy who's maybe looking at you crazy because you're a different you're a brown guy show him this book and tell him this and then it will open doors. And when he said that to me, it made perfect sense. And I've been doing it ever since. And so I tell other writers when they say that, when they say, oh, these guys just, I'm like, yeah, they did. But you know what? You didn't do it. How come you didn't do it? How come you didn't take it upon yourself to create a book? How come you don't put organize your, your, your drawings and make study materials? You can do that, especially now. You have no excuse, but you're just lazy. All the self-publishing apps that are out, yep. all of the, the pro platforms that you can put your stuff up and create your own video channels and all that stuff. I mean, shit, if they had, had this when I was when I was doing, oh, my God, we'd have lost our minds. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying. It's just organizing yourself. And even for me, like I don't I have some I have videos out. Of some of the different stuff that I do, it's mm -hmm. it have some stuff that is on style writing, but the majority of them are like my other projects, like you know the bike mm -hmm. customizing thing and and yep. you know those types of things. They're like short films, and I organized myself, got with professionals, 
and we created these bodies of work. So when people say, oh, well, what have you done? We don't see you up on the streets and this and that. And I'm like, well, I did this. I have this. There's a few things I did. And then it was just like, oh. And I'm like, is that how you want to start the conversation? Or we can start again. You know, let's let's start this a little bit different. And let's have a real nice conversation because I have a lot to share. And I'm sure you probably have a lot to share. So that's all I'm saying. I think if we, we begin to think a little bit more and not just dive a little bit deeper into the people that are around you, you'd be surprised what you find out. You'd be real surprised about what you find out, you know, but just give them the respect and the time to be able to speak a little bit about and, and engage in their intelligence. And you'd be surprised what they find, what you find, you know. It's all right there. It's not, you don't have to go so far out of your circle, you know. People do things for a lot of different reasons, but if you never take the time to ask them what was going through their mind, what you feel, then you'll never know. You'll just ex- you'll just take it for face value and just think, oh, it's just a, a letter. It's just got some weird bands and colors and things and that like that. There's not much to it, or I don't understand it, so it doesn't really mean much. You know, and that's what's happened to style writing. And that's the crazy thing. They went past it. They went on to character form and this and that. And they validated that more than just the origin. They didn't even understand tagging. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I hear guys that are artists now saying, oh, I started off doing graffiti. Use graffiti as a stepping stone to get to this. And I'm like, I'm like, really? I'm like, I think graffiti was too hard for you so you took the easy way out that's wow, i've never it. heard that graffiti is a stepping stone oh Jesus. i've heard it more than enough times and i'm like oh boy <laughs> so I don't even think the word toy is, is, is appropriate. Like, 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 I think you, a person that says that even is below a toy somehow. Like, like it is, it right. is. And it's crazy because people don't use that term because everybody's all butthurt and sensitive now. And it's like, people were savage when we were coming up. You did not go to yards and attempt to paint. You would get beat up. Yeah, right. It's a contact you know? sport, man. I mean, it wasn't just a full contact sport. It was just, it was style. You had to have your shit together yeah. in all forms, whether it be emceeing, whether it be breakdancing, whether it be popping or DJing, all those things. And now mm-hmm. just anybody can get up, oh yeah, I'm a DJ or I'm a this and I'm a that. And, yeah, right. you know, and it's like, it's like, no, bro. And it's just like, but then the, the, older generation the problem with them is like they're not producing new works and i tell Mm. them i'm like you're going to talk shit about these young cats i'm like put you know what it's like you can't keep putting out this whack music i mean that may have been cool back then but it's not cool now it's like if you're going to make say music with something a message it better be funky because you're making music not just re- reading, you know, doing reading some poetry or something. You're making music is supposed to be melodic. So, but I shoot a lot of guys. They talk about all the, and I'm like, yeah, you know, if you don't like it, then do something. 
Cause yeah, but it's easier to, it's off. easier to complain and bitch, you know, it's, it's yeah, easier it to is. hate, you know? Yeah, it is. And I'd say, man, stop that shit. You know, these are, these, this is a part of our family. I may not like necessarily like everything that they do, but I can enjoy some of it and I can enjoy, and I can be happy that they're doing something, you know? And if you do something dope and inspire them, that's it. Because as soon as somebody does something dope, and it's it may and it says something, people really get behind it. And if you keep doing it, it becomes a a trend or it becomes a movement. But yeah. see, that's where people, like I said, they get lazy and they get complacent, and then they want to just take the easy route out and talk shit. Like you said, this is a full time contact sport, and you got to stay. You know, like you either look at it like this: either are you going to be a kung fu fighter, or are you going to be a kung fu master? Right. I said, I'll take being a master. I want to create Kung Fu masters. And that's what I've been doing. So I have many students and I'm proud of them. And it's just, I want to keep being proud of them. And I want to keep them being proud of me. So I just keep creating. I keep producing. Take a break. Go underground for a while. Come up to the surface. Drop a few bombs. And then disappear, you know, keep it mysterious, keep them guessing. To me, that's B-boy style. That's B-boy flavor. And I've been sprinkled. <laughs> Seasoned well. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's Marinating, the magic, man. That's the magic, deep. you know. And that's what it is, man. Being cool and having fun and inspiring others you know that's that's what it got me into it when i saw them dudes doing it and being cool as as can be i was like i like that that's what i want to do you know and boy you're doing it man tunes one you you. have inspired me tonight brother thank you thank you and like i said this is everything in its time and so you know for me again this is a great honor it was a great pleasure, and I'm I'm very, very happy that you're doing this. This is super important, man. And don't never ever think that it is just you know it's just for nothing because this any 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 time you get the chance and you you're interviewing people and you're talking to people who are out doing these things, you're writing into history. You're writing a page in history. It's just how you perceive it, how you decide to put it out there and the value that you put on it. That's what's important. That's what gives anything an intrinsic value, you know? Thank you, brother. No, that means a lot. And and I feel you and I, you know, and I agree. I mean, to me, this is important work. It's like, again, I just go back to myself at 16 growing up. It's like there's there's other kids out there. How are they going to get access to this culture? How are they going to get access to these masters? How are they going to get access to these learnings? And yeah. and this is one way we're doing it, you know, with the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just so honored that you took time. I know it's late. You've worked oh, all day and here day. you are just, <laughs> just spending your valuable time with us. And I'm just so grateful. And, and I hope you'll come back. You'll come back oh, and sure. do this again. Okay. For sure. For sure. Yes. Now, before we, you know, wrap up for tonight, what do you want people to know? What do they need to know? How are we signing um, off here? Well, definitely I'm still around. I'm definitely open for collaborations. 
I'm taking it very serious. So please, if you if you're interested and you want to do something, reach out. You can reach out to me on uh, Instagram. My Instagram handle is at tunes one, the number four four. So it's T W O N S O N E, and then the number forty four. You can reach me there. You can see my works. I post, you know, here and there, and so. Yeah, and you can reach out and conversate with me. I think the thing is, is people keep reaching. If you don't like what you see, look to yourself. Look within yourself and, and pull out what you want to see. First, figure out what it is that you want to see and determine that is the outcome that you want it to be. That's so important that you realize yourself because it's within yourself that you're going to find all the answers that you're looking for. Infinite. And it's just beginning to trust yourself. And that way you begin to learn yourself and then you begin to learn others. And so it's been an awesome pleasure and the journey still continues. And so, yeah, thank you to all those, you know who you are, that you touch my life, you inspire me. I don't always get to see you, don't always get to talk to you, but you are always there in my heart and my mind and my soul. And I just pray that you guys are keeping yourselves together and reinventing yourself and believing in yourself and trusting yourself. That's beautiful, brother. Tunes one. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, Scott. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please press the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at Not Real Art World.